What's up? We're back. Episode 37 of the podcast. I'm happy you're here. We got a lot to get into today. We had an exciting night of fights last night and a fucking firecracker of a main event. Uh, frenetic pace from beginning to end. We're definitely going to get into that. But uh, I'm your host of the show, D-Love. And with me, as always, my co-host, Nate. What's up, little dog? What's up? And then, yeah, and we have a guest this week, which I don't want to bury the lead, but off the top, I just didn't want to forget about this. I just wanted to start the show by saying, I just rewatched the fight this morning. I'm uh, I'm thinking a lot closer than I, than I thought it was in real time. Uh, obviously, I think the right person that got the win, I think Dustin Poirier deserved the win for a bunch of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, I mean, overall, Dan Hooker and him, especially those first three rounds, man, it was just back Dude, and brutal. forth. Brutal, awesome uh, Both fight. guys were taking a lot of damage, giving a lot of damage. Obviously, Dustin, I feel like, had more shots, more significant in, in terms of uh, snapping Dan's head back yeah, and things like that. But power. overall, man, the ones that Dan did land on Dustin were, were heavy shots. He's got power, man. He's, as we always allude to, now the current going to go up and challenge for the 170 belt. Gilbert Burns has been starched by D- Dan Hooker. So, I mean, he's got power. But I just wanted to point out that I felt like the fight was a lot. I was a lot more confident in terms of, like, thinking it should go to Dustin last night watching the fight. But rewatching it today, I felt like it was a lot closer to those first three rounds, depending yeah, on how you score it. Close. Uh, damage was landed both ways. I mean, Dan Hooker landed those takedowns in the third round. Uh, granted, Dustin was firing off his back and, you know, threatening with his guillotine and, and being active and stuff, but it was a lot closer than I feel like I thought it was in real time, although I did agree with the, the decision. Stock goes up for both guys. Dustin Poirier, mm-hmm. man, paid in full, doing oh, it the yeah. right way. He said it's not a fight until there's something to overcome. Uh, I just I just like this guy. Obviously, I'm partial to him with the name and everything, too, but one hell of a fight. We're privileged to watch it, and uh, yeah, and up there with the, the list goes on. We got Yoana, Wiley Zhang. I mean, Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje at the Apex was phenomenal. Then we had Shane Burgos and Josh Emmett. Now, yeah. this fight, I mean, I mean, and I'm probably missing a couple. So it's been a, a hell of a few uh, weeks, couple months. Good start to the year in terms of fight of the year contenders. It's going to be tough to be up even in the top five at the end of the year. So that's my little two cents, you know, on the main event from the, as we start the show. But uh, now, with that out of the way, let's turn our attention to the real main attraction, the real main event, the people's main event, our guest today. What's up, brother? Ivan Lopez. What's up, dude? Hi. In the flesh. He's actually here, guys. What's up, up, man? How are you? Did you enjoy the fights? Yeah, I actually did enjoy those fights. Uh, I didn't really get to watch all of them because I was at a birthday party. uh, You're always at some sort of event. I was going to say the same thing. You're always at a birthday party. Yeah, there's always a party on Saturdays where you're just like... Mexicans loving that excuse to get together, party, and And drink. Drink drink beer. Yeah, but I was not going to miss that fight, dude. I knew that the co-main event and the main event were going to get down and then... Well, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't know about the co-main event getting down. I know that Mickey Gall got down. They they got down <laughs> on the ground, and, and like you were saying in the garage earlier, what were you saying earlier, Ivan, about that fight? Just um, to switch over to that one real quick. I was surprised that uh, uh, what's his name? Gall and Perry. Gall and Perry. I'm surprised Perry uh, was actually doing more of the groundwork down there. Yeah, I thought Gall was going to be able I to wasn't. do that. <laughs> and yeah, if you listen to last week, actually, uh, kudos to Nate in terms of like his breakdown. He just his size and strength and his his top pressure ability was what Nate was mentioning. Uh, it's it's all about how the the fight played out, in my opinion, because as you alluded to, it was crazy. It was like Gall was having the success on the feet in the early parts of the fight, and Perry was getting tuned up, and then Perry was having the success on the mat. So it was kind of flip flop. But wouldn't you agree? This is, I guess we're just going to jump into this one. Wouldn't you agree that Perry? Uh, I'm sorry, Gall. Looked sharp with his striking in the first couple of rounds, but then he kind of 
some of the pop came off of it. Perry could just walk through them all, and then, oh, now you're fucking semi-gassed. This guy's still walking forward. One shot from him is like five from you, and then now it gets into the grappling. Now it gets into the wrestling. You're a bit tired. You're a pure, pure jiu-jitsu player versus, like, top-pressure heavy wrestling. And, man, Perry's strength. They talked about a couple times how he basically just kind of used strength to shrug him off, like, you know, quote-unquote poor technique, but it just shows how much stronger he was out there. Yeah, uh, I, I thought, uh, I think just Mickey Gall is not that very experienced yet. He's yep. hasn't really fought a lot of big names. Yep. I called the, I called the same thing. Um, a big thing with Mickey Gall is um, not s- taking any credit away from him. He's a, he's a great guy on the ground, and he's got some good accolades. But, um, you know, when it comes to the f- his first fight in the UFC with CM Punk, yeah. um, <laughs> and then uh, a couple other guys, uh, Sage Northcutt was probably like, his biggest name or biggest win. He fought Diego Sanchez, who's, you know, much older now and a little different, um, and uh, lost that fight um, to a veteran. But when it comes to his experience, there's just uh, there's levels to this stuff. And uh, if you even rewatch the fight, the uh, when when uh, Mike Perry did get the takedowns, how how easily he was able to transition from certain positions or get top mount. Very quickly, so it just shows you the level, the experience, and the IQ that Perry actually has compared to this uh, guy who, who's well known for the, his ground game and saying that was his, his method of victory. But then you put him against Mike Perry, who's usually a guy who likes to finish things on the feet. Mike Perry decides to take him down. By the way, with just his girlfriend in the corner. Um, <laughs> so much to talk about with regards to that. I What's know. everyone's thoughts? Ivan, I mean, she, this chick, whatever her name is, she's one and zero as a head cornerman. Now she's got an undefeated record as a cornerman. <laughs> and, and have Marlin start cornering you now. That's dude. Everyone, Jesus. all these fighters online are putting out tweets and stuff and saying, "Damn it!" Or, I mean, some of them are happy, but they're like, "Yep." Actually, yeah. One of the tweets was like, "I'm never fucking paying." Jeremy Stevens. He's like, "I'm never paying a cornerman or a coach again. I'm just gonna have my wife go in there and corner me." Negative. Yeah. Um, a lot. What's of more are, motivating than your than the love of your life being in the corner? With you? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, if you watch the post fight press conference, he did talk about or, your, the, or your love for the week. You know? he, he asked them. Uh, yeah, for him, uh, they asked him. How'd she do as a cornerman? He's like, she did a great job. She put ice where she needed. She was there from a humble place that was like, I've not been in there, so I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to ask you what I can do for you. Like, his post-fight press conference was quite lucid, was quite just even-tempered, and yeah. it was really, I don't know, man. Maybe there's this, yeah. maybe Mike Perry is smarter than we all think in terms of marketing. Yeah, and, and Perry just wants my ties on the beach, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's all he wants. Pay me my money. Don't be giving me my money and tell me I can't spend it. This tax man is getting after him. Speaking of that, you showed me a picture, Ivan. What did you show me a picture of earlier? Oh, the new Fight Island. Yeah, did you see that? It's on the sand. Yeah, that that's gonna be an octagon for training and and for photo ops and and uh, face offs and stuff yeah, like that. I would hope so. But still, I mean, yeah. hey, they're they're doing what they can. They're ratcheting it up. Oh wow, that's a dope picture. Yeah, he's showing me a picture. It's like sunset. You got the silhouette of the of the octagon on the beach. Got my ties. <laughs> it's legit. And I've I've fought on like <coughs> places like this where it's like outside. Was it like, Bodog fights? And shit. Yeah. <laughs> what was it called? Do you remember the organization? It was called Backyard Brawls. <laughs> hey, that's on YouTube. That shit's making Hisp- so much money on YouTube. H- Hispanic gangster edition. <laughs> I guess. I guess that would be. This would be the best time, but good a time as ever is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, Ivan's kind of an infamous character on this show. If you've been listening over the 37 episodes, actually 40 episodes, you know you've heard the sound bites. My balls were hot. 
<laughs> that's funny. That's not the right one. There we go. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you know who Ivan who is. Who the fuck is that guy? I haven't actually had him here in studio. So uh, let's give you a small little breakdown about who you are and your relationship to us and MMT and give it a little bit of a background on your fighting your fighting history. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been doing this since, like, maybe, what, like 10 years, maybe longer? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> Man. Uh Started off with MMA, jujitsu. Uh, just been uh, I kind of like took me like a year to finally get my skills down and get in there and start fighting. And it was one of those things that just kind of naturally came to me. Mm-hmm. And which is apparent if you're around our gym and if you know this guy. I mean, he's just a hard worker, man. He just wants to get better, sharpen the sword, sharpen the what is it? Iron sharpens iron, but. Even when you don't have another piece of iron, man, you're in there doing your fucking work. Sharpening the burrito. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but I, I mean, uh, I mean, I have a, what, like nine MMA fights. You're the 155 state champion for California. Don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> In MMA, and now you do, just Muay Thai. Yeah, Muay Thai. You done a lot of jujitsu competitions too. And if, and Ivan also, I went out to Arizona with Yvonne here, and he's also. What weight did you fight at for that tournament? One seventy five. One seventy two. I think. Actually, I was supposed to fight at. Um, I think it was like, one ninety, and then I think like the day before oh that, yeah. I, I just kind of like, made that decision. And I'm like, ah, I think I'd rather fight at one seventy or something like that, and I just. I cut that weight in like two days. Yeah, you guys had a freaking yeah. Cra- I mean, I wasn't out there unfortunately for this one to support you guys, but I was watching afar. You guys were having crazy sauna chests. Alex, man, Alex looked like a skeleton, walking yeah. skeleton. Oh my god! I don't. We don't highly recommend extreme weight cutting, guys. Yeah, guys. So <laughs> Ivan was in the tournament with us uh, in Arizona, and he won the 170 pound national Muay Thai title there. U.S. So, Muay Thai Open, baby. I'm not Let's surprised, so motherfucker. Big tournament. It's it's giant, actually. It's quite the week for sure. Yeah, that that whole week for you guys, I'm sure, was incredible. We had how many fighters did we have out there? Thirteen. <laughs> oh my god! I want to say we had like thirteen. That was a fun. That was a fun week, though. Yeah. No, we no, we probably had eight. I'm thinking of the 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 point kickboxing yeah. tournaments. We had like eight guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. We did have eight guys. And then, so you, what's your overall MMA record? Uh, six and three. Okay, and then your kickboxing and Muay Thai record. I, I've only lost one. <laughs> it's like I don't Muay even Thai. count. I just count my losses because that's what I gotta improve. I don't know. You're probably like six and one. Yeah. He's like I don't even fucking know. <laughs> and that one loss was against a guy who was clearly using tons of methamphetamine. <laughs> that was a crazy <laughs> fight. That guy was jacked up, and that uh, was a crazy fight. He kind of got screwed on the the count there. So agreed. But it's all good. Anyways, the whole point is if you guys, most of you guys listening know Ivan. If you don't know Ivan, uh, he's been a training partner of mine. Even though I'm a coach at the gym, I consider him a training partner because he's just as good, if not twice as better than me. Uh, he's just been training just as long and his body's still healthy. And uh, he's he's a hard worker. So me and him have been sparring buddies probably for the last like four years. Um, but I met him originally at Fight Strong MMA in San Clemente. And at the time, I was in San Clemente. Everyone was like, oh, this Ivan guy. Like, I remember going to Subfighter. Like, dude, this Ivan kid is so good. 
and I was training at uh, Fight Strong, and I didn't know this was he, this was the guy they were talking about. And I was like, this guy? This guy's good? Who the fuck is and that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, um, and w- I know one a couple times we sparred. They're not too often. I think we sparred, like, t- two or three times, and Coach Dan was there giving you, a, like, coaching you, telling you to jab a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, after that, I was like, yeah, this kid is good. And, uh, and since then, we've kind of – he's been a training partner of mine. Him and Harvey have probably been the most – and Andrew. Andrew Hur was a big training partner of mine. We trained a lot. And Rudy. But he's probably been uh, – Ivan's definitely the one of, probably the toughest guy. Oh, 100% I, been the most consistent. In, yeah. In, in and, and he's the toughest kid I've ever had to train with, for sure. Like, uh, that's pushed me to e- either get better or have to get better so I don't get beat up. So, um, so he's been training just as long as me. Um, excellent fighter. Um has potential to be a world champion. It's just, you know, luck of the draw, trying to get on that big stage, and hopefully we can get him into glory. <coughs> yeah, I was actually, uh, I was really interested to see how, I mean, because, you know, we're just free-flowing here, but it was a great time to introduce a little bit about your history and background, because we have talked about you in the past, and I didn't know what to expect in terms of, like, how you, I mean, you're obviously trying to be, you know, clear-minded and not be over the top right now, but I was like, are you going to be, I mean, you're humble? Like, what? Like, you're a humble person. I get that, but you got to be confident in your skills. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not telling you how to feel or, or anything. I'm just, you know, from my perspective, obviously, um, you, you you bring a lot to the table, and I feel like you kind of sell yourself short sometimes. I mean, uh, maybe I, internally I, you have the confidence, but you just don't like to be braggadocious. Yeah, I don't like to brag too much. I mean, I... I there's obviously a lot better people out there, and I I know I can I can hang with like the best, you know. But it's not I'm just not like I don't like to like pretty much brag about myself or any, I don't like when people brag about me. It's just like weird. Sure, for me, course. I don't know. I'm I sure just, it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. It's weird for a lot of people that are humble being bragged about. Yeah. Well, and I was gonna say that mindset of always knowing, no matter no matter how good you get, there's always something or someone be- you know better than you in some way, shape, or form. So I feel like that kind of help keeps you humble, and that's what keeps you driving to work so damn hard every day because you gotta outwork somebody that does exist out there that may be better than you, and and that keeps you motivated. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of the I go to a lot of different gyms, and a lot of them they have always invited me back because they they love how I move around with them and. Yeah, and they like that. They know that they can get good work from me, and that's why they usually invite me back. They're like, "Yeah, I cru- cruise back whenever you want." Yeah, it's like we it's like you give us really good work, so we want you. To, we want you here to, you know. And that's why I move around a lot, you know. But I'm mainly from MMT right now. You, yeah. uh, MMT, <laughs> MMT back open first class is free. <laughs> no, but that's cool, man. I I know what you're saying there, and I think. It's a testament to being a good training partner, not just in terms of like what level of skills you can bring to the table, so you're giving them good work and pushing them, but in terms of the relationship and the way you behave and, and the way you approach things, the way you treat people. And uh, yeah, so and t- if people haven't ever really kind of got out there and had to experience that relationship with training partners where you're actually literally trying to beat each other up, but at the same time not injure each other, right? So it's a delicate balance, and uh, you do a very good job with that, at least in my experience and what I've seen. So it's it's just another testament, in my opinion, to your character. So if anyone doesn't know, check out Ivan Lopez. Ivan, what is it, underscore 93 on Instagram? Yeah, Ivan underscore Rodriguez 93. There you go. Check him out. Brian Butler, I've been hitting you up, motherfucker. You got to check this guy out. You've been pushing these other guys in the UFC and these big organizations. Give this man a chance. I'm not going to leave you alone. Ashley Evan Smith, I know you uh, associate with the gym. You're Brian's client. Or, yeah, 
exactly. So let's make this happen. I don't know. <laughs> I just figured I'd say that since it was on my mind. But we've got a little bit off track. Ivan, you, we jumped over to the Mike Perry Mickey Gall f- uh, fight. But why don't you and Nate go ahead and discuss your thoughts about the main event? It was such a fucking. I mean, fight of the fight of the year candidate probably won't win that, but there's some fight, like rounds of the year in there that I think it could definitely win. Why don't you guys take it and tell what you think? Uh, I actually rewatched it this morning as well, and uh, it was just a, it was such a good fight. I just had to rewatch it and same. I haven't watched rewatched the fight the next morning in a while. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then uh, I mean, that was a good fight. They were going back and forth on the gr- on the standing. Um, Dustin Poirier, you can tell by you can tell his experience with all the, like the weird shots he was throwing. Those two like hammer fists from like the clinch. Yes, like, I don't want to forget about that. I'm going to bring that back up later, but I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. Um, but I mean, you can just tell from his experiences that he has way more experience than a lot of these guys, and he's beat he's beat the guy that's up for next for the title. He's beat Gaethje. Yep. He's beat. Um, he's just he already beat like a lot of these guys that Gaethje Holloway, um, Eddie yeah. Alvarez. Alvarez. There was like a no contest. I think knee. But he but. just always falls short, you know. Yeah. Well. He he's had a long road, and and his paid in full quote his uh, the way he does things like the right way, maybe the longer way, the harder path. That's something that it's always kind of been part of his persona and brand, at least from from where I'm sitting. And I respect the fuck out of that man. So it's always good to see someone that's kind of gone the long way, the hard way, yeah. have some success. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes it, it makes <laughs> you wonder, you know, if. Gaethje even stands a chance with Khabib because you see Poirier was able to finish Gaethje, even though Gaethje's made a lot of big changes to sure. his, his game. And you saw how Dustin was just manhandled by Khabib. And, you know, if Dustin beat Gaethje, but couldn't beat Khabib, now you got Gaethje. Made a few adjustments. Had a close fight with Ferguson. And other than the last two rounds, it was kind of just uh, all Gaethje. You think about it, you're like, Man, how, you know, I'm just, I can't wait to see how this turns out. I would definitely say that Gaethje has a puncher's chance of Khabib, but knowing how Khabib, compar- uh, you know, competed with Dustin, uh, Dustin's got power, and Dustin did land a good shot on Khabib, and Khabib is so good at making adjustments, and once he gets a hold of you, it's just a whole nother story. So, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, it's hard because, you know, I know Dustin always wanted that unified title. Right, he wanted to defend that title. You know, he wanted to be the unified champion. I mean, look at 155. You have people at that level that can put on that kind of a performance that have never been an undisputed champion. Yeah. And has been fighting the UFC for so, over 10 years. So it's such a bummer. I mean, I think, oh, man, I just, you know, it's so hard because you want to see Poirier get that gold and dethrone, um, you know, dethrone Khabib. But I feel like Khabib is going to retire after his last fight. I don't, whoever it is with Gaethje, unless he gets, like, the super fight he wanted. Uh, I mean, I would love to see GSP. You know, oh, I, I mean, it sounds cool. <laughs> I mean, it sounds cool, GSP versus Khabib. But then you also think, like, man, it's not like a super prime GSP. But if anyone could beat Khabib, it would be GSP still. GSP is, like, phenomenal like that. He could he could be 50 and come in and still smash and become a champion. Um, but, um, you know, so we'll see. But. 
Anyways, back to the fight. That was just something going through my mind with with sure. De- with Dustin Poirier and those matchups. You can't you got can't not think about. I know what's going to happen next, but you know the let's ma- give them their shine. Yeah, the matchup was it was a great matchup. You know, I I, I obviously I picked Dan Hooker because I needed those underdog points. You guys are sticking along with the with the points right now. Keep calling the fights. Dustin is up by like four or five. Yeah, I've been leading by I think five for the last four. And so I mean, if anyone for me. To pick was an underdog would be Dan Hooker. I really thought it was going to be his time. I, you know, I've seen him sparring with Izzy Lasagna. I know he's got sharp skills, and he's, <laughs> and uh, so I was like, man, this is the right underdog to pick. And I, and I, I had high hopes, and uh, you know, he performed well. Dan Hooker preferred, performed very well, but you know, he took some hard shots from Dustin. It just shows you how hard and composed Dustin, Dustin can is. crack. You know, yeah. because, you know, at first I was like, yeah, you know, Dan's taking these. He's doing pretty well. He's he's, he's pressing the action forward. Like, he's not afraid to sit in the pocket, so Dustin must not be doing too much. Uh, you know, his power must not be affected in Hooker too much, but then you get in the third round and you see Dan Hooker just mouth-breathing, tired, face is all battered, and uh, he just looks punch drunk. And then the fourth and fifth, like, the I would say right in the fifth round is when you really notice – extremely how tired he was because Dustin still had sharp, crisp strikes, was landing one-twos and, and good stiff jabs and was countering uh, uh, with some good right, uh, some good left hands and just doing great counters off of uh, Dan Hooker's jab. And Dan Hooker was trying to fire back. Like in the first three rounds, Dan Hooker was throwing like three, four-punch combinations with knees and kicks. And in the fifth round, he, he was struggling to throw two punches. He was just teeping and throwing leg kicks. But uh, yeah. I was surprised that he w- he was he was doing the right thing. He knew that if he got a few takedowns, maybe and controlled the fight, it, it would look better on him. But uh, he was just too tired, and the experience of Dustin, it was just he just couldn't get him down. There's a couple of times where you could tell he was doing desperation shots. We all get. There I mean, it was a gutsy performance by both, though. You know, yeah. a lot of other people would have just. I mean, even the Volante fight earlier in the night, he was tired on top and got subbed because he was couldn't breathe. You I know, know. <laughs> and, and that's him going up a weight class. Yeah. I mean, you would think that. Uh, you know, the weight cut wouldn't be, since he doesn't have to cut weight, but he also looked pretty uh, flabby there, too. So you never he know. He performed better that than could, I thought he did, yeah, given what he looked he like on the scale. The fi- he was yeah. winning the fight until he got submitted. Yeah. You know? But uh, I would say this fight is a candidate fight of the year, but if I were to pick, it would be still Joanna versus uh, Wiley uh, because of the fact that I think girls deserve that shine right now. I feel like the women deserve it. It's it's their time in the fight that they put on just in mixed martial arts in general, male or female. Um the fact that, you know, if we've already talked about this, you want to look like a friggin' alien from Mars, from, like, the movie Mars Attacks. <laughs> like, yeah. and continue to fight and continue to perform at a high level, and it was so damn close, and it was just action-packed and in the pocket the whole time, and to see that, uh, and, and great striking, great technique, it was a great show of what women are capable of in mixed martial arts. So yeah. It was great. No, yeah, I agree. And uh, some people might say w- that, you know, heavier weight class, they hit a little harder, they took a little bit more damage in terms of, like, what could affect them later on in the fight. So to continue performing in five rounds. Uh, but they're both five-round wars. I-, I agree with you. I think Iwana's and Wiley are, have that edged out. Uh, but that second in the ra- second round in this fight is can- candidate for uh, round of the year. And I-, I just didn't want to forget this part before I-, I let you finish up on this fight, Ivan, with your thoughts. Um there's a few different adjustments over the course of not just fights, but this fight that I felt like I saw. There, I think there's a lot more that obviously goes missing because it was such a high-level fight. But Dustin Poirier in past fights, including that third round with Khabib and um, 
possibly one of the fights with I think with Gaethje, he gets backed up against the fence and he's, he's comfortable with that shoulder roll and he's comfortable with his boxing defense. So he'll even in this fight he kind of slipped and rolled a few and then came back with a hard counter. In this case, really caught Dan with him, right? But he he had a tendency to kind of stick on that fence. I mean. Dustin's maybe have the same problem because I do the same thing, but too comfort comfortable under fire, block, 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 looking for that perfect counter to where that's losing you moments of the fight. That's losing you momentum. That doesn't look good to the judges. You can get caught during those exchanges. You need to fire back, right? In other fights, I felt like that happened more and more consistently. And what you mentioned earlier when he was had his back up against the cage and he did those little half hammer fists uh, to the side and he was throwing elbows on the inside up against the fence a lot more. I felt like he was taking those opportunities that he would normally have three, four, five seconds of nothing and just kind of waiting, and he was just attacking instead. Even if it was a really weird little ridge hand, you know, from the side and then a, a, a sharp little uh, nice elbow from the inside. So to me, I saw that as an adjustment and an improvement from fight to fight. And even the pre-fight promo package that they talked about and Dustin was talking about, he's like, I'm the guy that picks myself back up, puts myself back together and comes back and does it just a little bit better than last time. And, and then, you know what I'm saying? And gets it done. And, and that's that's what I saw. And that's what I see fight to fight. So it's it's great to see even 10 plus years in the UFC, the level he's at, the the defeat he's had at the top of the mountain, which can really deflate, deflate someone's motivation, but to still see improvements, right? Um, but I, that was one thing. But then also, you had mentioned this both, mentioned this, and, and uh, Nate, you had mentioned this during the fight, that Dustin Poirier's experience and his ability to recover in between rounds was noticeable. And uh, if you watch the fight, they slowed the pace down, even the commentators mentioned it around the third round, um, but was still firing. And Dustin was still, like, at least trying to be more active even though they were definitely a lot slower paced and then in the fourth or at the end of the third round they're both on the ground right for a while and we both said they they're kind of taking a break not really but they're both kind of getting a, a small break here and then in the fourth round if you watch dustin's experience also showed shine through because he was also kind of pacing himself for that first half of that fourth round and all of that cardio you know being aware of his cardio and and uh, energy systems i felt like was you know, the reflection of that experience that you guys have been talking about. And it really, really showed, especially down the stretch, like you were saying against Dan getting like, that was the end, man. At the end, he was so gassed. I thought he was going to get finished at the very end there. I did too. So, but yeah, Ivan, any last thoughts on the fight? I know we kind of keep cutting you off there. I apologize as our guest. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, um, I mean, what I liked is that, I mean, what's his name? Uh, Hooker was like going for all these takedowns, but, I feel like they were just kind of like to gain some points, and sure. But but you can tell that uh, he wasn't really doing much, and and Poirier was like attacking off his back, throwing yep. little, little elbows, throwing little like little punches from the side, and and just like going for submissions, and it just it just kind of like backfired on Hooker because he didn't really do much with the takedowns, and then he ended up being the one that wasn't you know as fresh at the end, so. Gas-wise, I mean, Dustin Poirier's wrestles. I mean, people don't think about that because he's predominantly a good boxer, but that man can grapple and wrestle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, I was going to say that, to your point, he was just active off the bottom. He had this, I'm not trying to show a judge or anybody who's watching this fight that I'm going to um, relax even for a moment. I want to win this fight. All the way from when he was punching off to his back to at the very, very end of the fight when he's, like, sitting on his stool yelling across the cage, how was that, Dan? You know what I mean? Like, his... His energy was his, his uh, demeanor was was I'm not going to be denied I'm I'm winning this fight 
And that, I, mean, I don't know, man. You got to give credit to Dan Hooker, though, too. It wouldn't have been such a phenomenal fight unless he put up a dog fight himself. These guys, I mean, Dan Hooker has to go quarantine now for 14 days on a loss uh, back in his home country. So it's, it's just one of those things. I respect the hell out of him for working his way up to this spot, you know, calling the right people out, making his moves, and having the success he's had. And, and I don't, you know, expect him to drop too far in terms of the, the consciousness of that top, you know, top five, top elite of the 155 division. So the last thing we'll talk about, I'll, I'll pitch it to you guys before we move on, is who do these guys fight next? Well, you see Paul Felder wanted to come out of retirement for right? any of these two. Right. That's it, either of these two, that's what he said. Wait, Paul Felder retired? I know. Yeah. That's, he he kind of did that half retirement, half not retirement. And then when I saw that tweet, I was like, wait a minute. So are you retired? Paul Felder. Let us know. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so Paul Felder versus uh, Hooker is what you're saying? Yeah, Paul, Paul yeah. Felder, Hooker Rematch too. It. Let's go. Rematch. That, that was a good fight. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that'd be a good fight to watch. Uh, Dustin, I, I said last night, Dustin should call out McGregor. Yeah, uh, I yeah. mean, <laughs> big money fight. McGregor, Red panty night. You know, and, uh, and McGregor wants a fight. Um, I think it would sell. People want to see that, especially with Dustin beating Dan Hooker, who is a prospect for the title. Uh, and um, I think it's a good fight to sell. And uh, McGregor already beat him, so mentally, I, I don't know why, unless the money, air quotes, is not right. I don't understand if McGregor really f- loves the sport and he came back for the love of the sport and wants to fight, this would be a great fight for him to pick. Don't you think, this just makes me think that I have to ask this question, don't you think it's it's not necessarily the total money generated from a McGregor fight, because he could fight a mop, and, and the total money generated would be enough for any one man, including, I think, McGregor, but because of the way the contracts are working and the people that need to take theirs, and I'm not saying anything wrong with that, you got to make your bottom line too, but um, McGregor in and of himself, I feel like, can generate enough revenue to pay what he would need, but there's so many other things that are involved, whether it's a cross promotion or just, you know what I'm saying, the, the marketing, everything that they put into it, that the, the money gets, it becomes an issue when it doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah. People um, getting greedy. Yeah, of course. I mean, even Mike Perry last night talked about it. It's like, hey, I don't want to be, he said, I don't want to be one of those guys complaining for money, but it's like after taxes and all these crazy things that I've had to deal with. Um I'm pretty much a minimum wage fighter. I'm fighting for minimum wage over here. He's like, I make. He's pretty much saying I make fifty grand a, a fight, and then I got to pay my camp, my coaches, uh, not including my wind bonus. Now he's just he, paying for my ties for him and his girlfriend. Yeah, but and then at the end of the day, he's getting taxed a crap ton of money and owes the IRS. And he's like, I'm trying to pay debts right now. And uh, yeah, so, you know, so it still just points out that uh, you know, obviously, like, money's important, but it's, it's with McGregor. I feel like like. He, you're not happy unless it's more than you made last time, or would yeah. you be happy with 15 million? Yeah, Come on. which makes no sense because you're not. You were a superstar when you're top of the world, but you've you've lost a few. You you went out and fought Mayweather, lost to Mayweather. I'm came not back. surprised, motherfucker. Yeah, lost to Nate. Oh shit! Why don't you come back and fight Nate? Yeah, He's talking shit. Do a number three, man. That will sell a bunch of money too. Um, so like you you can't expect in his position to be offered more and more money. He's probably going to be, if anything, he's going to be offered still higher than most, than all the guys on the yeah. roster. But he's not going to, they're not going to pay him more than what he did when he fought. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Diaz number two or when, uh, when he came back for Khabib before he saying. lost to Khabib. He's not going to. The Masvidal situation is different because his, his stock and his notoriety and everything rose with that Nate, with the BMF fight. So for him to ask for the same amount of money he fought uh, when he fought Nate or at least close to it in his next fight and be happy by going backwards, that's different than McGregor. I feel like. 
you can't be when you're at that millions of dollars be like well okay well i made 35 million last time i i better make 50 million this time it's like be happy man shit but uh, obviously with the loss the value drops too so who knows but okay so you say um hooker felder rematch would be you'd be happy with that hashtag would watch right uh what about you you say call out mcgregor is for poirier and then who for hooker for hooker hmm do you have anybody for poirier you would suggest ivan Who's next in the rankings right now? I, I would say Ferguson is who I would recommend. That's my – because he's coming off that loss. Yeah. I feel like it's Khabib Gaethje Ferguson in terms of, like, the legitimate rankings absent Conor McGregor. Yeah, Ferguson um, would want to jump in on it immediately, too. <coughs> he wants to get back in there and try to get that title. I feel like Ferguson is that kind of guy. He's like, just, just feed me one of the top three. I need, I need, to get, I yeah. need a win under my belt. Yeah, he's saying that, like, coming back stronger. Like, he's, he seems mentally not – you know, he wants to come back, you know, heal, healed up. So He was a savage before this loss. Might yeah. actually make him even scarier. What do you think, Ivan? Who do you think for Poirier? Is that a good matchup, or do you have anybody else? Tony's think? never fought any of those two, right? No, no, he's never. Yeah, fought I any think those Poirier two. and Ferguson be would be good. great. That'd be a great fight to show. Yeah. yeah, and that's a fight that they can make. Yeah, that's a fight that Dustin will easily agree to. And at, with the position Ferguson's in, and he wants to get back in, he will easily agree to it. I think it makes sense. Um, yeah, when it comes to. Uh, that, that yeah, I think that'd be perfect. For what do you guys think about my Oliveira one though? Or ah, oh, damn it, I just told you my Dan Hooker one. I think Charles Oliveira versus Dan <laughs> Hooker. I said it backwards. <laughs> Put the cart before the horse. There. What do you What do you think about that matchup? Uh, Oliveira is just coming off that last win. Yeah, he's been he's been starting to finish. He's been finishing people. Am I tripping, lately. or has he not had a fight since the Kevin Lee fight? Is that his last win? Yeah, that be, was his last fight. Yeah, it was against Lee. And he won. I guess someone could say Tony Ferguson because he beat Kevin Lee, who beat. Tony Ferguson beat, but I, I like Hooker, Oliveira, I think Poirier, Ferguson. I think, yeah, when it comes to wanting to sell a fight, I think uh, when it comes to, like, promotion-wise, I think it'd be a better part. And I think it's fair. I don't think it's unfair that Poirier would fight Ferguson. What's he ranked? What's Oliveira ranked? Um, I don't know. Let's I'll check that. Yes, um, but, yeah, Oliveira would be a good fight. Because, um, I mean, only other problem I have with that, now that I think about it, is, like, wouldn't you want to see Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira on the ground? Yeah, but I don't think, I don't think right now, Oliver, like you just reminded me that Oliver existed. Let yeah, let me put it that way. Sure. So when it comes to selling, um, and Dan Hooker hasn't, he's promotable, but he's not like a Poirier Ferguson. Agreed. Um, so, like, so that'd be kind of a big step back in terms of like, you know, placement on the card. I just think I think the UFC is smart enough to understand. What, what fight has more pull and more traction. And it's and to me, I think that's the fairest fight. Like, if I was a promoter, I'd be like, all right, yeah. Um, let's do Hooker versus Olivericas, and let's do them as a co-main on the same card. I'd sure. Them as a co-main with, uh, and with, the, with, with Poirier and Ferguson. Ferguson just lost, but he lost a close, close fight for that, for that belt. Um, and let's have him, you know, fight. Poirier, he's a former champion who also just came back and beat Hooker, who is pretty much next in line and on a tear. I, I think that would be a good fight. I, th- right. I think it'd be an easier selling point. Well, the as the rankings sit right now, because obviously tomorrow is Monday, and I believe that's the, they update them the, you know, as the week progresses, not right away. Um, it's Justin Gaethje, number one, obviously, fighting Khabib. Tony and Dustin right next to each other, two and three. And then Connor's there sitting at four, but he's retired, so I don't know. 
Uh, even Dan is like, Connor's retired, so why is he in the rankings? Uh, but then right there is Dan Hooker and Paul Felder, five and six again, and then Charles Oliveira. So essentially, that's everyone we just talked apparently. about. Yeah. So, so Oliveira and Hooker, for sure. Poirier Ferguson, that'd be a fun, fun, fun fight to watch. Um, which I, I think it might play out similar to um, what's his name? Uh, uh, to to Gaethje Ferguson, because I mean Gaethje and Poirier are both just heavy, heavy hitters. So yeah, it'd be great to see how um, Ferguson comes back and adapts to Poirier, and um, yeah, that, that'd be a great fight. Did you see the? Um, I think I don't know if it was on Twitter, but through social media, uh, Justin Gaethje was saying ahead of the fight that uh, Poirier was going to murk Hooker. Is his exact words. He says he's going to mark him. I don't think I saw that. Well, he did before the fight, and then he, it was one of those featured tweets that showed like at, when the fight was ending, the fight was over, or whatever. Justin Gaethje gave him his props, man. He was like, man, uh, Dan Hooker definitely deserves a, a spot at the big boy table or something, big dog table or something. Is like what he said. So it was oh, cool yeah. to see, like he earned his respect, you know. And uh, I think you're right. I think that Poirier Ferguson fight might play out similar to the Gaethje Ferguson fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're similar styles. They're good. Heavy-handed boxers. So we already kind of touched on it a little bit, but the Mickey Gall, uh, Mike Perry fight, guys. Uh, Mickey Gall ended up losing a decision. Mike Perry, uh, you know, patient Mike Perry, which another kind of weird sign given all the chaos around him to make me think maybe this guy's a lot smarter than I give him credit for. But um, very patient Mike Perry took his time in the first round, just kind of felt him out. And then he was talking about post-fight press conferences is gold, by the way, as I already mentioned. But um, with no corner... And at the apex, all he did was interpret and adjust to their cornering. He figured out their code words by the third round. He figured out what they were having, asking and wanting from him and was able to adjust for it. And he was even thinking, man, your coaches aren't telling you enough because none of those things that they told you I already know and none of them are working. But, uh, but he took advantage of the no corner and the fact that it was quiet at the apex. Um, and it was just really interesting to me. And it was interesting to me a level see a level-headed Mike Perry given – Everything he shows us up up until the fight, you know, and uh, granted, Mickey Gall landed some clean ass shots early that some other people maybe could uh, change the complexion of the fight. But overall, I got to give Mike Perry's props for a well rounded performance. Yeah, yeah. What about you guys? Last last minute thoughts on that fight before we move on. Dude, Mike Perry fights weird. He just kind of yeah. walks forward, bro. He, no, but you see how he throws his punches. He's like, it's a lot of like really like awkward like pawing kind of things. Yeah. Hitting with the door knocking knuckles a lot. Yeah. yeah. He looks super stiff when I saw him. I was like, he's fighting weird. <laughs> and he's like hella flexed. True. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, relax. Well, I know that the um, the fact that with COVID and the weird situation with his camp and stuff like that, the one thing that you guys would both agree that would might take you around or something to figure out is your timing is if you don't spar. So he wasn't, he hadn't really had yeah. any sparring. Where the hell, yeah. do, where does he train? Uh, in the park yeah <laughs> he had a he, I can't remember the name of the place but he was then he went to uh, he had his original area original camp then he went to Mike Jackson's uh, Jackson Wink rather in uh, New Mexico then uh, recently left that to go back to somewhere else I, I can't recall the name right now I apologize and then now it's just with his girlfriend it's just he said I put together this camp he basically tried to call in a few individuals to help him but mostly because of the COVID and everything he was just focusing on strength and conditioning pad work and just trying to stay sharp and use what he already had and already knew he's like I don't need coaches I don't need nobody this is all me when I go in there when I win or if I lose I'll have no one to blame or talk about but myself this is this is me I, I'm the one who did this and brought me here so 
essentially, that's how he got through this fight. But as you saw afterwards, he's like, I'm going to take some of his money, pay the tax man. I'm going to find a real camp. He wants to go train with, uh, uh, what the fuck, with Yoel Romero down in South oh, yeah. Florida. He's trying to get the, that uh, 185 weight on him, see what that feels like. And he wants to beat the shit out of Darren Till. Yeah, what's his beef with Darren Till? Yeah, they used to want, they, they were going to originally go to a spa. Uh, together when they first met and that was that whole thing and people thought they were quite friendly and chummy they were going back and forth on social media and i mean i assumed like everybody else because it was great entertainment that they were just you know keeping it fun and keeping it light and talking shit they're both characters they both like to talk shit you know uh, but apparently darren till i wouldn't say what he said or did because i don't know the specifics crossed the line but given everything that's going on in mike perry's life and the situation and the fact the media and a lot of people are like he's your six and six fighter you know, he's kind of downtrodden. He's fighting for his career. He's got his girlfriend only in his corner, no coaches, all these kind of things circling around him. He's, you can tell he's really been feeling the media and the buzz and, and the fans talking shit a little bit more. And Obviously, he used it to try to fuel him, but uh, because of all that, I feel like he's maybe a little bit extra sensitive is my point. Yeah. And Darren Till must, from what I understand, said something about his new girlfriend. Like, I'll, I'll write her, do this, or just said something in the mix of them going back and forth on social, talking shit, brought up the girlfriend. Mike Perry said something about doing the same thing to Darren Till's mother or something like that. And then from then, it's been, you could tell, it's like it's not funny anymore. And then Darren Till's winning the internet right now. He's already made like two or three or four burner accounts to continue to try to stalk and talk shit on Mike Perry. That's hilarious. He made the MikePerryIsABum.com website. Go on it. It's a real website. Check it out right now if you want. Let's look it up. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but he's trolling the fuck out of Mike Perry. Um, but apparently... Something happened uh, to the point where Mike Perry's no longer finding it funny. There it is. Mike Perry is a bum dot com. It's like all you got to do is type type in Mike Perry's name and it comes up. That's unfortunate for Mike. <laughs> all right. Oh so. my gosh. So yeah. So that's what the beef is. Apparently, Darren's just doubling and tripling down, and Mike's not finding it funny anymore. And so now he's <laughs> like, I want to fucking just beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> He's even said it. I'm not a big guy. I got to go get the extra weight and see how it feels. Okay, so the main pi- – why don't you describe the main picture? The main picture is, is a Perry sitting on a stool against the cage with an extremely broken nose. After the v- Vincente v- uh, Luque. Luque yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then what's the next one? What are these? Oh. Hey, you can click on it. Click. Did you click on it? Look at all these. These are all Darren Till's, like, faces that he has on – this is Darren White or – I don't know. I don't know the names. Uh, this is Brian Boom Kelleher with uh, Darren Till's head on it, I believe. This is, um, what's her name? The one you like, Angela Hill, I believe. Oh, with my gosh. <laughs> Darren Till's face. And then you will. And then you <laughs> This is great. You guys need to check out this Mike Perry's The Bum website. Yeah. And there's a bum gallery. Bum gallery. Maybe, that, maybe that's why uh, Mike Perry wants to go train with Yo Romero. You know yeah, how Till's told told us that he's scared of that guy. Yeah, that's true. That is, he's told us outright that he will fight anybody, but not not Yoel. I'm scared of him. And maybe you know, Mike sees this, knows Yoel's maybe not a happy camper with what Darren Till's doing right now, so wants to uh, join forces. But man, it's it's some comedy, guys. Go check it out, MikePerryIsABum.com. But not last night. He did a great job. And Mickey Gall, both of them, I, mean, I, I saw Mickey Gall in a social media post, but I saw Mike Perry in the post-fight press conference. But they both addressed the media. They addressed their fans. I mean, Mike Perry, I'm sorry, Mickey Gall did a great job as well. Just, I, I wasn't, I didn't win. I have no excuses. I'm holding my head up high. I'm going to get better, blah, blah, blah. Like, to your point, Ivan, that you, you said earlier, he is really not, and your point, Nate, he has really not faced anyone near the competition that uh, Mike had. So it was a, a big step up to see him improve fight to fight and have a, 
get through the fight, full decision, had some good striking points earlier in the fight, still needs to figure out how to manage his gas better. But, um, you know, for what he was up against, I, I said I thought his only chance was getting a hold of him early like a Crone Gracie and just getting him down and choking him out. And, and if that didn't work, he was fucked. So I didn't give him a whole lot of a shot. But I still I saw improvements. And, yeah, good on, good on him for taking it on the chin, literally and figuratively, getting through that fight and, uh, you know, holding his head up high. So uh, let's take a look at the rest of the card. Let's go. How about this? All right, so how about any other, like, uh, notable fights or fighters, anything that you remember throughout the night? I know there's a couple of underdogs, Kamal Worthy, you were talking about. He's like that. Anybody else that you want to make sure we mention before I just kind of ramble, ramble off the um, results here? Uh, that Takashi Soto. Yo, Joe Soto's older brother. No, I'm just kidding. Takashi <laughs> Sato. Takashi Ten Sato. 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 Yeah, he. That was a pretty good. Uh, one two right there. He threw. He caught him in early. I was mm-hmm. like, well, like thirty seconds in. Yeah, no, that was that was clean. I honestly thought he was gonna lose. I don't know why, but one hitter quitter. And now, and now it starts, and I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Guess he's gonna win. What about you, Nate? <laughs> Any other notable fights or fights fighters, rather? Uh, I want to go to well, Sean Woodson fight versus the uh, Rosa fight. Yeah, um, you know, I lost Sean my Woodson, ass on that one. Sean Sean Woodson, you know, was undefeated coming in. Rosa just got the call back. He's fought for the UFC, but lost a couple fights after. Uh, you know, after his experience on, uh, what is it? Tough. tough the ultimate d- fighter, yeah. Tough, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the UFC let him go, and he got the call back to come fight against this guy 7-0. And Sean Woodson is in a slouch, man. He had sharp striking, man. Very accurate. Beat ha- Kyle Bokniak and, in his uh, UFC debut. Yeah, and he had he had good power translation. He actually, in the second round, was able to drop Arosa, but or the early in the first round, but the second and third round, though, Rosa just turned up the striking, man. Sat in the pocket, started moving his head. At first, Rosa, I was like, well, this guy's not being able to keep up with the striking. Like, Sean Woodson just tagging him from range. One, one, two, hard kicks, good body kicks. And Rosa was not ha- finding his range, man. And uh, wasn't really throwing a lot, just jabbing and trying to throw, like, an inside kick here and there and just move and trying to maybe get a clinch here and there. Uh, but something changed, man. I don't know what his coaches told him in the corner, but it was like, hey, man, get in there. Like, you know how to strike. And it was just when he started to get in the pocket and box and slip and move, it was a completely different animal. Inside that long-ass reach. Yeah, he yeah. was slipping and countering, racking the body with some good body hooks and just good four or five punch combinations in the pocket, slipping. And Did you catch this one, Ivan? I think I caught like the end. If you didn't check the highlights, it's a good strike. Yeah, it's a good, or just good overall fight. And it just it just shows you how much sometimes you forget you have in your arsenal when you're fighting in the cage. Sure. And all it takes is someone to say, "Dude, you've been you like two weeks ago. You were sparring with a pro boxer and and doing real well. What sure. happened to that boxing? That it, that how, movement? That 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 the the combinations that you were letting go? How come you're only throwing a jab and a yeah. low kick? Like. When you slip his jab, you counter with three or four punches in sparring. But when you're slipping his jab in the actual fight, you're not you're countering with one thing. Sure. And just seeing, but he got you know. So those things you forget. And How much is the matchup and maybe a mental thing for him, like perceiving what people are telling him? This guy's a better striker than you, so you're gonna have to go with this game plan. Like, how much could that affect it? Because you're right, I've seen him on tough. He had success with submissions. He ended up getting the sub of the finish tonight. But when he started to believe in his striking, like you were saying, is when he was he having like an, success. He was an animal. He was yeah. tearing Woodson up on the feet yeah. in the last two rounds, and his forward pressure was great. Um, and and I mean, Arosa's twenty four nine. He's he's got he's got over thirty fights. Yeah. Arosa's. I mean, Woodson's only fought eight times. That's including his loss, that which was last night. Yeah. Um, 
and so he's got plenty of experience, you know, without a doubt. Um, so, I mean, I was just impressed by it in the two rounds. It, it was kind of like it was, it was like, screw it. I'm just going to go in the pocket and, do, sure. and, and, and do, treat it how sparring, win or lose. Like, yeah. he let go of that fear of losing. Yeah. Uh, that let go. Like, he got comfortable. He got comfortable. He started having fun. Mm-hmm. And he, we started to see the potential that he had in striking. He was focused. And he sure. was focused because he was having fun. He was calm. I think that's super important when you're fighting. You get a little deeper into the fight and you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm good. It's cool. Yeah. And, like, I'm better than this. I have 30-some fights. And I, I know who I it's about knowing who you train with, who you are, and what you're capable of. Because the first round, I would, the, he he looked like he, a completely different fighter. Sure. After after sure. the first round. And then I was going to say, lastly, um, you mentioned this during the fight, and Sean Woodson, although he's had success in his UFC debut against a guy that was very highly uh, talked about with Kyle Bakniak. So for him to come in to the UFC on his debut and beat him, it, you know. Sean Woodson's legit. His striking in particular is legit. However, he does receive a good amount of criticism because of how damn long his arms on, which arms are, which contributes to his style. He he's got this almost like a break dance, and his arms are wiggling around. and And I understand why he's doing it. They're partially feinted, they're partially weight distribution, and then set up the whipping return of the other arm. Like, and you don't really see where they're coming from because they're a little unorthodox. And there's benefits to it. And obviously, he's turned that into a, a, a recipe for success right and so i was kind of a defender in that if anyone that maybe doesn't see that type of striking be like what the fuck's this guy doing right i was like no i understand what's going on here right however you pointed out during the fight that there was a lot of additional wasted movement yes and what ended up causing the sway and the momentum of this fight partially had to do with sean woodson getting tired and getting um you know, pressured by Julian, who, like you said, decided to just come forward in that pocket, and now he can't use that length. All that extra movement that didn't turn out with some sort of result, some of those strikes did land. He was cleaning them up in the first round. Don't get me wrong. But if you just reserved maybe a little bit of that extra movement and that extra energy, maybe you would have had the energy to not get finished, submitted, late in the fight, and somehow pull out the victory. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big proponent for... Efficient movement. For yeah. efficient moving, like slipping only when you need to slip, faint, you know, or, or or switching stances only when you need to switch stances or within mid combination. Like it sucks because there is a balance with misdirection th- and is, distraction. But, but if you're not out there on the road extra five miles a day simply because your style dictates a little extra movement, then you're not going to be able to have success. Like with it. for example, with Mickey Gall, he was so uncomfortable striking in the pocket uh-huh. with Mike Perry. That as soon as he hit, he was running and riding. You know how much, and he's not used to. It. He already gets tired in the third round, so now you got to be like Mickey Gall. Now this whole fight, I want you not knowing you get tired in the third round. Now I also want you to run every time you exchange. There's right. stats out there. I don't know where they are, but that, there's people wasted that have, movement. But they have stats on literally miles of of how far you've um, ran, not ran, but just moved. Yeah. Like Frankie Edgar, because he has some of the highest fight time period in the mm-hmm. octagon, has like over five or ten miles of movement over the course of his career. Wow. But yeah, people don't realize how much distance you cover. Is what I'm getting yeah. at. So uh, yeah, I mean. Sometimes I've, I see a lot of people who are inspiring to like move and do fancy stuff, but not doing anything with it. Sure. And I'll just either kick their leg or punch them in the face. But it's like, um, it's a, it's a you got your gas tank is extremely important, especially when you you know when you don't have a full training camp, or if you do, but you don't have the facilities to do so, and oh, everything yeah. you're doing is because of COVID. So for a lot me, of the people who've had success have even commented that all they're really doing right now is focusing on strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. If that's your only option, then fucking dive deep into that. Then yeah, don't be the one that gasses. That and and jogging in plates, bro. <laughs> Jumping jacks, but that was a good fight. Yeah. yeah. Any other ones you guys want to mention? 
I, I, yeah, let's go to the worthy fight. You know. Oh, yeah. Luis Pena switching over to ATT from AKA. Don't know if that was a good or bad thing, but obviously he's got life situations that made uh, financial shit. We all understand how difficult it is to live in California. So this guy took it upon himself to go move into the dorms over at ATT. He was given an opportunity. I expect a lot of really good things from him still, even though he hasn't quite you know, come into his own as people expected. But I did think this is an underdog you and I both got last week, correct? Yeah. But uh, – yeah, I was worried. I thought he was going to get this up. Uh, yeah, the fact that people Late. thought Kamo... He got up. The fact that he Kamo, they thought Kamo Worthy was an underdog, they clearly didn't look at his record. I mean, we dived into his record and how he was... He's the finisher, man. He's an 85, 90% finish rate. Like, out of his 16 fights now, the guy's finished, like, 12 or 13 of them. What's yeah. his record? 16 and 6. Versus Luis Pena, like, 8 and 3. And Kamo Worthy's been around for a minute uh, and, and fought... Has plenty of experience and is very well rounded, but he's a finisher. Great. So, being new to the UFC, some people, myself included, we give him a little bit not enough credit, right? You haven't been fighting at the big show because I always get confused. These highly touted prospects, you know, Macy Barber is not uh, the best example, but like coming up, maybe had dominating victories in the regional scene, and then they come to the UFC, it just doesn't look the same. So, sometimes Kamal Worthy is my example, or can be the example where people are like, oh, well, he's only had one fight in the UFC. So now that he fights Luis Pena, we're going to see what he really looks like. Well, we did. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when but we dived into his record last week. And, You're right. You know, even in his younger days, he fought Felder. He's got experience. He's got huge experience. That's true. I forgot about that. Um, and I believe, I think he won uh, from what I remember. Um, well, if you're just taking forever, so we'll figure it out. That or he lost, but <laughs> I, I'm, I think he won. I think Either he won, won or lost, for sure. I, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say he won, um, from what I can remember. Um, but I noticed he was finishing a lot of people, and I know, I, and I noticed that Luis Pena was having a hard time. Uh, j- he was just getting to decisions, really, not finishing anybody. And then if, um, when you look at Carmel Worthy's wet weather, his record, man. Uh, I was just like, he's too experienced, and he's finishing people, and uh, he's on a win streak. Uh, I, this guy's underrated, so I just knew based on experience and where Lewis is in his game and how long that karma's been uh, that karma's been around that I, he, he was going to be able to pull a win off. I mean, it wasn't going to be a lopsided affair, for yeah, sure. And and it, you know, and at the end of the fight, you know, he got the the second round. I know computers are so slow. <laughs> he, he got the he got the third round uh, submission, uh, but Pena looked good. I mean, Pena towards the end was uh, he was able to keep up and had some good ground and some good takedowns. But uh, uh, you know, Kamal Worthy was just able to adapt and 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 capitalize on the fact that uh, he knew he was going to shoot and he was able to get him in that deep guillotine. So I was uh, very impressed. I mean. I saw, you know me, I've been kind of looking a little bit more into the sports betting props and stuff like that the last few weeks. Twenty my, uh, Plus 2700 for a common worthy submission prop. So that means you put a $10 bet down, you get $270. Oh, jeez. And so, I mean, I've been doing little bets here and there, like parlays, like five, six par- fight parlays with a dollar. So, you know, if they, if, it's a long shot, but if they win, it wins considerable on a small bet. I should have thought that same mentality, small bet on a fucking... I always think of putting a dollar on like a draw because it's like plus 5,000 or something like yeah. that. But damn, comma worthy coming away with that high high elbow guillotine finish. Yeah. Can we actually... You're on his record right now, right? Trying to be with the... You computers. can just scroll down. There we go. There we go. It's going to be all the way at the bottom. <coughs> I want to see. 
Oh, he lost to Paul Felder and by he, TKO. But he also fought him as well as Billy Quarantillo. A couple people we've seen in the UFC have success. So. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, but he's, look at his win streak. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep. Seven fight win streak, dude. This guy's been killing it. And even in the interview afterwards, he's like, hey, I don't want to be like Sage Northcutt pretty much. He's like, I'm okay with making what I make right now. I'm okay with fighting the next level guy. I don't need to get shot up there. I still am learning. I still need to learn. Super humble. and uh, We've I, brought this up before. Yeah. Oh, wait. Finish your thought. Sorry. No, he's just super humble, and I just I just want to see him. I want to see more of him. I, I think he's – clearly people are underestimating who this guy is. Absolutely. And in the post-fight press conference, I guess he's been saying this like multiple fight after fight after fight. He's like, man, I'm like 37, I'm 34. You, you guys do the math how long I could be. I'm an old guy. I'm not here fighting for belts. I'm here fighting for my family and my future, trying to get as much as I can before I can't do it no more. Like, And I think he's like – sneakily making people underestimate him as the old man that just doesn't know how to do anything other than brawl. And he's, I don't know, man. No, I'm, inter- sharp, I'm man. interested to see where, where he goes. He looks sharp and he looks strong too from the ground. He was able to, to, to sneak out of a lot of positions. I mean, Pena's good on the ground. Pen- when Absolutely. Pena got him down, Pena's long, lanky, and able to get him in scary situations. And, you know, Kamaruthi was just able to sneak out of him. Last thing we should touch on, though, is, uh, you know, Kay Hansen, if you guys didn't watch this fight, she's the youngest woman to ever be on the UFC card. 20, uh, years, 20 old. years old. The only so person in the UFC younger than her is? is uh, what's his name? Um, it's, it's Ben Askren's son. Ben Askren's son, I know, but it's, I mess his name up every time. Sugar Sean O'Malley's brother. Uh, Louise Pena's cousin. Dude, I'm blind. Chase Hooper. Jason Hooper. Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper. See, I'm <laughs> Ben Askren's son. I yes. took a muscle relaxer before the show, so I'm feeling pretty good. Ooh, Got groovy. But, um, I mean, Kay Hansen faced uh, uh, Yu Frey. Who's from, if you guys don't know, they're both from Invicta, right? So they both fought in Invi- Invicta. Uh, somebody put a $37,000 bet on Kay Hansen to win. And it was getting dicey it in the middle of that super fight, Super dicey, too. dude. She wasn't. <laughs> She wasn't winning on the feet there, and for a while she was having a hard time getting Faye down. Towards the end of the second round, Kay Hansen was able to get her down once, and we could see that Kay Hansen definitely was the better grappler. And in the third round, she was able to – she went to go for a hip throw, and from that hip throw was able to uh, – Faye did the proper counter to try to stop it. And yeah. then Kay Hansen went with the momentum, yeah. threw her leg over her, and put her in an arm bar. Did you see that, Ivan, it at was, all? It was slick. I think so I, I, think I like saw the – like a hip toss, it, yeah. and then the wizard was still deep, so she just, instead of trying to continue to throw her, she just put her leg, wrapped her leg around and her. And took that arm that she was trying to wizard her with. It was dope. It was dope. It was clean. And uh, and then she knew immediately that Faye was going to try to stand up, so she went to the triangle. And then when right when she went in the triangle, Faye kind of like shrugged. She was like, crap. You can see in her face, she was like, poop. <laughs> it was like, it was literally like, it was literally like one of those looks in her face. You could tell. But when she was on the ground, if you guys have ever been in class and like an instructor's gym or you're with your partner and they're demonstrating mm-hmm. and they say, hey, tap when she's pulling it. And she's kind of just, you're waiting there until they yeah. pull it hard. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. she was literally like already in the position. She's like, okay, I'm just going to wait till it's time. tight. I'm not even going to fight this because it is deep. And she kind of just accepted it, but you know, Kay Hansen looked good. But uh, for this fight, I think her striking needs some work. And for being such a um, a high uh, accoladed grappler that everyone's kind of hyping her about, um, I got to see how she performs higher. Because right now we have some savage straw weights and yeah. and and top level g- girls up there, and we've seen plenty of women who have the. If your striking can't hang, and she already had a hard time getting Faye down 
uh, for the first two yeah. rounds, three rounds. So it, if she faced higher competition, she might not be able to do what she did to Faye. Sure. Uh, so that's that's something we have to see more. Obviously, we have to see more of her. Congrats on her gym. I know she's low, I mean, on her win. Uh, I know she works with Eddie uh, or 10th Planet. She's yeah. one of the managers and helps manage those gyms. I know she's a purple belt from 10th Planet. I know she's local. So I'm super proud of her. I think she put on a great performance. And obviously, whoever betted on her is extremely happy. Yeah. But, uh, that, yeah, other than that. And then the Bozer fight. I mean, just a knockout from. How much did that guy win? Well, uh, you know, it's a good question because it wasn't nearly as big yeah, of a ticket as. Yeah, he probably won like a couple, like 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 five grand. You maybe. know what's funny is percentage wise, he he won more than the guy who put a million dollars in Amanda, yeah, just because the yeah. odds were so bad. Like, he won like twenty grand, right? Yeah. Oh no, he won one hundred and sixty six thousand off no, a million. No, not that bet. guy. The guy who bet on her. I don't know. I don't. I didn't get the. Yeah. I, don't I know, know it's double digits, but yeah. uh, but, but still, the, the Tanner Bozer fight. If you guys didn't get to check that, like Tanner Bozer, uh, for Dude. a heavyweight, is light on his feet, man. Dude. Super light and agile. I love this guy. Uh, I love this guy. Just with the mullet. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, in the Philip Lynch hit hard. I was watching him. Lynch had a tight guard. He hit hard. Um, he was he was well aware. But uh, Tanner Bozer just has a gnarly overhand. It just off balance Lynch, and then hit him with like a four. Took the angle after the overhand hit. Yes. He just took the right step off the that overhand <laughs> and just right, up, right. right left, right uppercut, uppercut. and then the the people's elbow yeah. to finish it, man. Oh, brutal. People's elbow hammer fist. Yeah, Luke Thomas tweeted out, he's like, when I was in the service, that's how I would fucking whack the, all the brush with my machete and the, uh, for his last fucking back elbow. Like, he back fisted him before he went down. It was insane. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was good. I'm excited to see more Tanner Bells. He's definitely a, a pretty light uh Heavyweight. When I mean light, I mean like light he, on his feet, light athletic, on his feet, moves, moves around. Well, yeah, and he hits hard like a truck. So it's, he's gonna be. You I, saw that one, Ivan? Uh, I saw. Yeah, I saw a couple of uh, clips on that. That one, and then the Sato knockout was was the, the two quick knockouts of the night. Yeah, I saw when he came down with that back fist. Yeah, <laughs> that shit was like, it's like sit down, boy. <laughs> We're done here. No, I was uh, very impressed with Tanner Bozer. He in his last fight, he wasn't as uh, physically fit. He wasn't as lean, but he still moved around like that. And I and I caught that same eye of what you're talking about. I'm like, man, this guy, he moves for for a heavyweight. Like that's his game plan. He's he's either gonna have success with that, but then he has some power too. So it's like, wow, <clears throat> this could actually work for this guy. Yeah. The only the only things I saw is he moves light like that, but when he moves, he like does his. Hopping motion back and forth when he's like, I notice yeah. his hands drop. Sure. So the only thing is that a good fighter would be able to faint, get him to step back, and then sure. chuck an overhand of their own. And what about that fucking mullet? Can't that kind of show you which direction I'm going over time? <laughs> figuring, figuring out patterns? It's like, okay. If you watch over. the top of the mullet, yeah. it'll telegraph if he's going <laughs> exactly. forward or yes, backwards. Yes, exactly. Um, but no, I, I think Philip Lenz was the more natural heavyweight. hit hit harder, and it made Tanner stay on his toes. But I don't give a fuck what Dana White says. The smaller octagon, the smaller cage is definitely contributing to more action. And uh, this could have very easily gone into the later part of the second and third round, but one of those heavyweight, heavy breathers, very little action because they're both just trying not to get finished or, or lose, you know what I mean? Um, so I was excited for, for Tanner to come out there and have that success. Good for him. If he's looking this much better physically from fight to fight, I'm really interested to see. I mean, is this guy eventually just going to go down to 205? Or is he just going to be that quicker, faster, more elusive heavyweight? Well, they were talking about that because they said he looked light, but apparently he weighed in at 250. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. So Bisping was like, I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, because even Bisping mentioned, like, I'm surprised this guy, Farolini, he just doesn't go to 205. He looks like a lean sure. heavyweight. 
But but then they were dense. like, dude, he's, he's 250 at that lean. Hey, 240 Den- is like... He is dense, man. Uh, what got- is it? Stipe, I think, is like 230, 240. Yeah, right? so for him to be that lean at 250, he's a dense individual. Fire hydrant. Bro, straight metal. Ivan, I want to hear from you. We're about to wrap this thing up. Wait, about what, though? The fight? Anything you want. Anything <laughs> you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny was uh, the fact that Poirier was like responding to like the commentators, like yes. Bisping and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, at the beginning, dude. How many times is Michael Bisping gonna tell, yell out which sub you're going for? He's like, he's going for an armbar, and then and, and Poirier's like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, dude. At the be, it's kind of it's kind of funny. It's kind of hypocritical when you think about it, because at the beginning, uh, uh, Hooker kicked uh, him in the cup a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> and then Bisping's like, you gotta stop kicking so low, Hooker. And he's like, Hooker's kicking real low. And then, uh, and then uh, Poirier said, you could hear Poirier say to Hooker, yeah, listen to Bisbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, listen to Bisbing. And they both kind of chuckled in there. And then at the end of the fight, now he's like, don't listen to Bisbing. Yeah, <laughs> because, no, you're right. That's funny. Because Bisbing is yelling, man. Bisbing didn't even care. I feel like Bisbing was definitely coaching a little bit. Well, I feel like he was excited in a couple of those moments. He there was, was like, like, like oh, armbar. Oh, 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 shit. Yeah, there's a couple exchanges. I think it was, I don't know what fight it was, but where he was like, you got to watch your neck. Oh, he said that You got to gotta watch your neck to Dustin. Yeah, and he yeah. said it loud, like, watch your neck, Dustin. But yeah. he was saying, no. He's like, he was sure. like commentating. He's like, yeah, so far the fight's doing good. Dustin's He's doing like, this. Oh, you gotta, <laughs> gotta watch your neck. And he said it like twice as loud. I'm like, okay. Dude, Clearly I'm, you're trying to get, <laughs> get some. I'm yeah, you loving can hear it. everything. Yeah, you can hear everybody just like echoing as they're talking, commentating. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can hear them. They're like right there. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. We were talking about Mike Perry not having a corner, so he was using the other people's corner advice against him. Maybe Bisbing was helping corner him, you know what I mean, from the from the table. But this added element, I'm loving it. I'm eating it up. I love it, dude. And, yeah. and now we get to see. Shines know. lights on corners. And sorry, Drysdale, I'm not trying yeah. to rub salt in the wound, but people have been giving that guy a lot of shit. I mean, yeah. I don't, depending on where you fall on it, I, I, I'm in the middle. But, yeah, it's shining light on the corners, been both good and bad. and I love it. Yeah, the thing I'm I, the only thing I can say I'm excited with crowds is obviously to see how the fights do change when it comes to, with the crowds. So yeah. now we kind of get to see how big of the a part the crowds affected certain fighters. Because some shine with certain, crowds, certain fighters, and some yeah. do much better with yeah. crowds. So it's True. it's going to be interesting. Um, the one thing I don't miss with crowds is how long sometimes you have to wait for fighters to get in the cage. I feel like. We get good fights yes. now and, and a good amount of time. The I'm pacing not, is faster. They're just you walking know, 30 feet. Just get in the there and go yeah. fight, man. I mean, I do. I know for the fighters, it's such a euphoric experience, sure. especially a new person. Or a big-ass stadium. Or a stadium, debut. You know, like for, like imagine if Kay Hansen debuted that night. That's like you're that, right. That for her it would be a huge moment, but now like her UFC debut is kind of just like another gym war. You Absolutely, know? but then answer me this: How many debuting UFC fighters that would have debuted under a crowd that might have been affected by the experience and the moment being too might big have, might have, have been able to just kind of slide in in the apex, and get the win, get their feet That's wet, wracking. get their feet wet, yeah, and then now you know now work their way Does, up a little bit. I mean, uh, Ivan, do crowds feed you? Would you rather fight with a crowd or without a crowd? Uh, I mean. I guess it just kind of depends on the person. Some people react differently. Uh, but the crowd does definitely give you, like, an adrenaline rush a little more. So you, like, kind of are able to push yourself more. Mm-hmm. I feel you uh, on that, yeah. It's, uh, it's just, I mean, it's it's cool like that, though. I mean, that means some, because some people, if they are debuting, they don't have as much nerves mm-hmm. with, like, a million people watching yeah. them. Well, what about, it uh, isn't also when there is a crowd, it's like, you hear crowd noise, but it's probably from what my very very little experience. It's like a mush. It's like it's not 
you hear specific things here and there, but did you like hear us when we're chanting your name and shit? Um, honestly, I don't really hear too much when I when I'm in there because you know I mean? I mean, I'm like, so in the zone that you just like exactly. So you like, hear stuff and crowd noise, but not necessarily specific things. Yeah, on occasion, if I if if I feel like I need help and I and I want to hear, then I'll I'll kind of like try to listen and see if you guys are saying anything. Sure, sure, and, like the coaches and stuff, but. For the most part, it's, I've never really heard too much. You're just zoned in. You're just Every time, you've never heard me say, Ivan, your mom and me are having dinner. You've never heard <laughs> me yell that during your fights? Yeah, I, I, every once in a while, I'll, I'll kind of like hear that in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just, hey, if, if, if making you laugh takes you uh, out of uh, the nerves, then I'm okay with that. Nobody ever loved you, and it's all this guy's fault. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> It is my fault, and you live with me too. No, I meant his opponent. <laughs> I know. Oh, sorry. That makes sense too. He's he's punching me harder now. <laughs> Tell the guy in the audience to shut up. <laughs> thank oh you. Hey Nate, I really want to thank you for talking about my mom. It just pushed me to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the fights were great. Um, so uh, I know we obviously have a week or, or of a break. Yeah. So I um. Guys, we're gonna wait on talking about the next one and save save your ears. I uh, we also I uh, do you want to announce the new segment? Yeah, coming I'll, up? I'll I'll at least play uh, so that people know what to expect. Yeah, do you want to? How about this, Nate? Um, go ahead and he was starting to explain. Please explain why we have a break and then next week. Yeah. So, anyways, guys, we have a break uh, because obviously there are no fights until a week from now. So this weekend there's nothing. Uh, but the next, obviously, the next fight card is going to be UFC 251. Um, Ooh, it's going to be a big one. Uh, main one. event is a welterweight. It's going to be Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns, and you guys will hear plenty of that. Three title fights. You got Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, two, uh, which is going to be excellent. Is Max Holloway going to be able to come back and take that title back? It was such a close fight uh, last time, so we'll see. Then you got the bantamweight pick. man. This Peter Young guy is just destroying people right now. I mean. All eyes on Peter Yan, and you got Jose Aldo being Take able out the legend? to come back for another title shot. You know, I'm I'm happy for Aldo, man, because you know I thought you know Aldo like Dana White was getting with the whole Conor McGregor and Aldo thing. I thought Aldo was slowly gonna fade out. I did. I was like, man, Aldo's gonna fade out, and then he went down and wait. Uh, who did he fight? Not Barbosa. He went. No, he uh, fought, uh, Marlon, Marlon Morales. Morales. And I thought he won that fight, Morales. man. Oh yeah, um, dude. So what a fight. Hey, you know what? I, this is a great. Not only is this the ultimate test for Peter Yan. Uh, but this is also a great title fight. It's going to be exciting. Then you got Rose Namanunez coming back. This is uh, Justin Andrade. If you guys don't remember <sighs> the last fight, the title fight Rose lost. She was killing Jessica on the feet, and she got spiked on her head and knocked out from a slam. Mm -hmm. uh, Paige Van Zandt's coming back. but uh, Last fight under contract, you know. trying to fight out the free agency against Amanda Hebos. Yeah. Amanda Hebos is going to work that bitch. Yeah. I'm sorry. No offense to Van Zandt, but that's what's going to happen. Put your money on him, <laughs> And you guys, obviously, you got Vol you got Vulcan Ozdemir surprisingly yeah. fighting on the prelim card. Good luck against Jin Prodezaka. Nailed it. And then and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> <This> Dos Santos. <laughs> you know what people call him? his nickname is Easy Dos Santos for that exact That's reason. Perfect. Yeah. So and you got uh, Mark Juan Americani fighting, which is going to be exciting. I, his last fight wasn't he? He he definitely showed some good colors, and uh, he's he's a good fighter. I think he's a good up and coming fighter to watch. I'd like to see more of him. Mm -hmm. uh, you got Lin and then Leonardo Sandals fighting. Uh, so you got you got some good fights on the prelims. Obviously, there's early prelims. 
I'll have Dustin go over these ones. Oh, Marcin Tepora. Uh, I, I can't remember his last fight, but he, it's been a little bit. We didn't see him back in there. Marcin Tepora is coming back, uh, taking on Alexander Romanov. Rolina Pavia versus Zalga Zamogulov. Nailed it. Uh, versus <laughs> Shrimp Jambalaya. <laughs> Carol Rosa, Vanessa Mello, Martin Day, David Grant is out. Yeah, but uh, I mean, can you re-click on that main card? Guys, yeah, this main real. card, Uzman, Gilbert Burns, Volkanovski, Holloway, Peter Yan, Jose Aldo. We had three three title fights and two former title holders. This is going to be, this is honestly a really stacked and fun card. Yep. Um, so we'll be here next geez. weekend, uh, just like normal. We're releasing an episode on schedule, uh, but we're going to be breaking down and previewing these fights and giving our predictions, obviously, instead of doing that today. So make sure to stick around throughout the week. Um, as Nate kind of alluded to, yeah, I'm going to be teasing a new segment that I'm going to be doing on the show. And this segment can be a standalone segment, too. That way, if you're not interested in listening to us for an hour or two hours of time, getting deep and the X's and O's and talking about the fights. Uh, but you maybe want to learn a little something in, uh, about MMA in, in terms of uh, me nerding out to this stuff. And in particular, with regards to rules and regulations, um, weight cutting policies, uh, business policies, commission rules, commission laws, things that are just evolving and changing in the sport, like the concept of, um, you know, the unified rules of mixed martial arts and how they're not even unified between all the commissions that they participate. So things like that and trying to kind of dive deep uh, on one or maybe two rules a week. And more than likely, there'll be something that happens. There always is every week, like we've had with, uh, you know, referee stop and corner stoppages, things like that. There'll be something that will happen each week that should give me kind of a, a direction in terms of what rule I should talk about. That way, it's kind of relevant to what's going on as well. So that's a segment that I'm going to be trying to do each week. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work, but I've gotten it started. And... Um, as we leave the show today, first I wanted to make sure everyone, please go out and uh, support your small local businesses as you support the small uh, local podcast, Strong Women Designs, Dream Loud Collections, uh, Neighborhood Auto Care, OC Party Rentals, um, of course, MMT Fitness. Please check them out. First uh, class is always free. Exit Avery Park right off the 5 Freeway. Ivan, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you being a part of it and contributing and finally coming in here and having some fun with us, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, let's do it again soon. Awesome. Uh, hey. Are you sure about that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as we're finishing up there, guys, again, and from now until then, you can't enjoy the fights because there aren't any. So I'm just going ahead and play the intro teaser preview segment, which you will hear hopefully each week with the new rule and explanation on that rule going forward. So I hope you like it. And uh, if you have any feedback, let us know at Apple and iTunes podcast, five-star rating and a good review. Appreciate you guys once again. See you later. Peace. As a general rule, I don't pay attention. Over the line. This rule now. New rule. They haven't played by the rules. That's fucking illegal. This is policy. Has the whole world gone crazy? It's unbelievable. It's time that they're going to stop. This is not NOM. There are rules. I've had it up to here with you. Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? This segment.